Tonight, in the middle of Pray First, I'm going to talk to you about praying for the lost. We're going to talk about this for a minute. So, as we look at this, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 through 6. I don't know if they got it in or if they didn't get it in, but here's the deal. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 to 6. It says, but if our gospel, hey, look at that. Thank you for whoever put that in. Thank you for that. But even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. So what that verse says right there, and I, I'm going to teach kind of through the, through the verse by verse for a few minutes here. What that verse is saying is that, that when people are lost, when they don't know Jesus, that their minds have been blinded. It's like, it's like they're literally walking around like this. Their minds have been blinded by the God, little g, of this world. Now, y'all know who the God of this world is, right? It's Lucy, Lucifer, Satan. Um, the God of this world has blinded their eyes who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, would shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it's the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge and the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It says that the, the, those that are lost... You can be frustrated, you can be um, angry, you can be whatever with somebody who's lost, but the reality is their eyes have been blinded by the enemy, by the God of this world. Um, I have a, a four-year-old granddaughter. She's, I think, the cutest little girl ever in the world, but that's my prerogative because I'm grandpa, right? Um, I'm sure yours is the cutest to you, and that's great. I'm papa, and we were at we have a community pool, and we were, at a we were at the community pool this summer, and I'll never forget this. Here she is. She thought, it was she thought this was fun, and she was running around with her hands over her eyes. Now, I don't know about you, but last time I checked, that's not a good idea. Running around with your hands over your eyes. Well, she was running around with her hands over her eyes, and we kept saying, don't do that. Don't do that, honey. Don't do that, because we're next to the pool. Next thing you know, she's... Got her, got her eyes closed. She didn't put her hands in her eyes, but she closed her eyes because she thought it was kind of a rush to run around with, with her eyes closed. Okay. And then she's running around, and she literally just ran right off the end, right into the pool. She can't swim. Um, so we jumped in the pool and got her, and she was all scared. But that's literally what a lot of people, the majority of the people in the world are doing with their lives right now. They're running full speed with their eyes closed. They're running toward eternity with their eyes closed. With no sense of the danger that's around them. With no sense that eternity is right in front of them. But they're running around full speed with their eyes closed. About to fall in the pool and they can't swim. And they don't have Papa right there to jump in the water and pick her out. But see, that's what a lot of people are doing in this world they're just running around with their eyes closed because their eyes have been blinded. So I would encourage you and encourage us that 
when you're dealing with someone who, who doesn't know the Lord, understand they just, their eyes are closed. They, they, don't, um, they don't know what, what's going on. They, they don't realize the truth. I remember before I was saved, I literally thought that my family was kooky before I was saved. I thought they were kooky. I just thought they're weird. And then I got saved and went, wow, I was the kooky one, right? And you, you just realize, oh, I get it now. Now I see it. And, you know, it's true. I was blind, but now I see. And it's not a pride thing. Listen, I didn't do anything to be able to see. I received Jesus and he gave me sight, right? I mean, being saved is nothing to be proud of. It's nothing to be ashamed of, but it's not you who did it. It was by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, I mean, it's, it's holy of grace through faith. The other example I would give you, it's, it'd be like you're driving down the road and somebody is standing in the middle of the road and they're screaming at you like this, waving their arms and screaming at you and you, you get mad at them and you just keep driving and then you see another person and they're screaming at you and they're waving their arms and, and you just like, get out of my way, I'm going somewhere. And then you get a third person and they're screaming at you, they're waving your arms and you just get, you just get frustrated with them too and then you realize what they were all screaming about when you get to the river and the bridge is gone. They were saying, hey, the bridge is out. Don't go down here. Hey, you know. I've experienced that when, when I'm going down a road and somebody's coming the other way and they go like this. And I go, what are you talking about? You get there and then the road is closed. Ah, I get it. So sometimes when people are driving down the road full speed and the bridge is out, and there's no police there, there's no fire, there's no roadblocks. Some, you know, we need somebody to wave their arms and say, hey, the bridge is out, right? And that's our job as believers. When you see somebody running full steam toward eternity without Jesus as their Lord, we've got to sometimes go, hey, you know, uh, the bridge is out ahead. And sometimes they get mad at you when you do that. Anybody ever had that? Some, sometimes they're frustrated with you because you're upsetting their timeline or you're messing with them or you're, oh, just don't bug me with that Jesus stuff. But the reality is the bridge is out ahead. And if you keep going the way you're going, you're going to drive in the river. When I was 21... I was a senior in college, and I was home for break from college, and I, I just remember this one particular night. I was staying up, sitting in the chair, listening, to, watching Johnny Carson. Now, I know nobody knows who Johnny Carson is because now it's Conan O'Brien and Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel, but back in the day, the real late night show was Johnny Carson, okay? You had Ed McMahon and Johnny Carson. Well, anyway, I was watching Johnny Carson. And I was sitting in the chair watching Johnny Carson, and my mom and dad, every night before they went to bed, they would sit on the edge of their bed, they would leave their bedroom door open, and they would sit on the edge of their bed, and they would read from the Bible out loud. My dad would read to my mom every night. And then after they were done, they would both would get on their knees on the side of their bed, still with the door open, and they would begin to pray, and they would pray. 
and pray and pray. And I'd be sitting there going, are you done yet? Why don't you close your door and go to bed? You know, and I was not saved, but then one night, that particular night, I heard my mom and dad praying. And they said, God, we pray for Bernie. We know he's far from you. And they knew I could hear him, I think. If they didn't, I think they knew I could hear him. That was pretty sneaky of them. Because I still remember it 35 years, 36 years later. But they said, God, we pray for Bernie. We know he's far from you. We know he's doing all kinds of things that are displeasing to you. But we love him. He's our son. We ask that you would open his eyes. That he would see the truth. And that the truth would make him free. Father, we pray that he'd see the end of the road that he's on before it's too late. That he would come to know Jesus as his personal Savior. In your name we pray, thank you. Amen. That's how my mom and dad prayed for me when I was 21. Less than a year, I heard them. Less than a year later, I got saved and gave my life completely to Jesus. That prayer never, ever left me. I still, I have prayed that prayer for so many people. God, I ask that you would show this person the end of the road that they're on before it's too late. Let them see that the bridge is out on the road, the path that they're on. Let them see the path that they're on doesn't have a bridge at the end, it's a cliff. Let them see that the end of the road they're on leads to death. The end of the road that they're on leads to hell. It doesn't lead to heaven. Let them see the end of the road before it's too late. You know, shortly after that, they prayed that prayer, it was a, a recurring, I started having a recurring nightmare. You, I'm just being real with you here, folks. Anybody who knows me knows this already. I started, I started having a recurring nightmare, and the nightmare was this. I was on the side of a hill, and I was falling off, and things were coming up from underneath the hill, and they were grabbing my arm and pulling me over this dark pit. Sounds pretty scary. I would wake up screaming with all my, I mean, I'd be, ah! My dad would come upstairs, what are you doing? Are you okay? I'd go, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just, but you know what that was? That was an answer to their prayer. Show him the end of the road he's on before it's too late. See, that, I believe without a doubt those nightmares that I had were God's grace to me. They were God's mercy to me based on my parents' prayers that I never, that, that I didn't understand at the time. I was just terrified. And then about six months later, I, I got the, I got the clue and I got saved and I made Jesus Lord of my life. But God was ever so patient. You know, in that year from the time I heard that prayer, you know, I totaled out three cars and should have been dead twice. I totaled out three cars in one year. I mean, what kind of a lunatic does that? Me, I guess. But my point is the devil was trying to kill me. You know, since then, I've not totaled out one car. <laughs> in the last 35 years, I've not totaled out one car, let alone three in a year. But see, my mom and dad knew enough to pray for me 
and pray that God would show me the end of the road I was on before it was too late. So I would encourage all of you, everyone, just pray that simple prayer like my parents prayed for me. God, show them the end of the road that they're on before it's too late, that they may come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Even if it's 10 days before they die, like pastor's father, he shared that on Sunday, that 10 days before he died, he got saved. Pastor's dad, 10 days before he died, he got saved. It doesn't matter how many days before you go to heaven, you go to heaven. How many days before you make Jesus Lord of your life, you still get to go to heaven. I'd rather be a janitor or a groundskeeper in heaven than the king of hell. That's all I know. Okay? That's, that's worth clapping about, whoever clapped there. Because that's, that's the fact. Salvation is no joke. Hell is hot, heaven's real. And there's people that are on their way and we need to be standing, standing with them and interceding for them and stand in the gap for them and pray for them that they don't ever go to the lake of fire. Because heaven's, heaven's real and hell is hot and we don't want to go there and we don't want anybody to go there. We don't wish our worst enemy to go there. We really don't. The other scripture I want to talk about tonight is Colossians 1, 19 and 20. Colossians 1, 19 and 20. It says that, For it pleased the Father that in him, that's Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, and by him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself, by him, again Jesus, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. So many times what, what, what's going on and the reason people are resistant to the gospel many times is because they've had a bad experience with another believer or somebody in church. Anybody ever, you know, that I, we bump into that a lot. I do anyway. I bump into that a lot where people are real resistant to the gospel because they've had an experience with someone from church or another Christian or, or somebody from church somewhere, and it was a negative experience. And so they're what I would refer to as offended. They've picked up an offense. Okay? And Colossians 1.20 is the scripture that you stand on when you're dealing with someone who's offended. Because it says here that he reconciled all things to himself by Jesus, having made peace through the blood of the cross. So if you have a relationship that's, that's gone sideways or you have someone that is angry with you or you have a, an irreconcilable difference with someone, okay, let's just put it that way. I would say there's no such thing as an irreconcilable difference. I would submit that to you today because God has reconciled all things to himself through the blood of the cross. So if we will both submit to the cross, there's no such thing as an irreconcilable difference because God has reconciled all things to himself. I know that there was this, again, personal experience, there was a particular individual that was so angry with me. They had been doing something and I, I lost my cool with them. Confessions. I, I pretty much told them to shut up because they were just, they were ranting about something. And I just said, would you just shut up? 
like that. That wasn't right, okay? And they were so offended by that that they wouldn't talk to me. They wouldn't even come near me. And I couldn't do anything to uh, appease the situation. I wanted to make things right. They wouldn't accept my apology. They wouldn't. It was just, no. What can I do? Is there anything I can do to make this right? No, you can't make it right. I'm like, okay. And in the, in the natural, you want to say, well, forget you then, Jack. Okay, right? But you can't do that because you want to love people. So I started praying Colossians 1.20 that the blood of Jesus, the blood of the cross, the blood of Christ would make peace in that situation. And that this person would see the end of the road they were on before it was too late. And sure enough, that situation got resolved. And they said, I don't know why I was so upset by you. I know I was being silly. And I understand why you told me to be quiet. And, and I don't appreciate you telling me to shut up. But oh well, I'll get over it. And, and today we're friends. Okay? But what I'm saying is, that probably would have never happened if we hadn't prayed Colossians 1.20 over that situation. Because in and of myself, I don't have enough strength to keep walking in forgiveness, but through God, I can have enough strength to keep walking in forgiveness and walking in faith that, that God, the blood of the cross, has made peace in our situation. And I would just, I would just challenge you, look at Colossians 1.20 and realize that, man, that is the answer to your relationship problems. Because it says that the blood of the cross of Christ has made peace with all things. So if you've got somebody angry at you, if you've got a, a broken relationship, if you have a strained relationship, I say, I submit this to you. The blood of the cross of Christ makes peace in every situation. It'll make peace in your situation. It will make peace. He is the God, Shalom, Shalom, Jehovah. He can make peace through the blood of the cross. It says he's already reconciled all things to himself through the blood of the cross. Finally, Psalm 512. It says, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. Now, stop right there. He has made you righteous. Before you start saying, well, there's none righteous. No, not one. No, he's made you righteous. Because 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he made him that knew no sin to become sin, that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So therefore, not because of your own doing, but because of the gift of God, you are righteous. You can look in the mirror tomorrow morning. Stand in the mirror, look at yourself and say, I'm righteous. Because of the grace of God, because of what Jesus did, I'm righteous. And if I'm righteous, it says the Lord will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as a shield. With favor, you will surround him as a shield. I want you to get the picture of like a Star Trek or Star Wars, you know, where they said shields at whatever, at 10 or full power or whatever, and they could take all those hits and the shields would just, just be there. Or some sci-fi movie like, I don't know, 
4th of July or what's that called, Independence Day, where they all had these shields and you had to penetrate the shield and had to shoot the generator down. There was a shield that stopped all the bullets or all the, the weapons and all the laser beams from wrecking havoc on that ship because they had a, a, a shield. They had a force field or a shield. Now, I want you to look at that with that picture in your mind. Say, it says that God will surround you because you're righteous, he'll surround you with favor as a shield. So when the enemy shoots those fiery darts at you, your shield just goes, it just kind of disintegrates those fiery darts because you got your shield of faith up and you got your favor shield up and all your shields are up. Why? Because God puts them there because you're righteous because of what he says. Now, are the, are the shields there if you don't realize they're there? Most of the time they are, but you know when they're really there? When you realize they're there and you say, thank you, Father, that you surround me with favor as a shield. No weapon formed against me can prosper. And although every tongue that rises against me in judgment, I stand and I condemn it. That when the enemy comes in like a flood, you raise up a standard of victory, a flag of victory in the middle of when the enemy comes in like a flood, you give us victory. You are Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, our victory. See, that's when we walk in victory, when we realize who we are in Christ, when we realize that he has made peace in every relationship, and when we realize that we can minister to the lost, we can reach the lost, we can reach our family members that don't know Christ. We can reach our neighbors or our coworkers or whatever. We can because we bind the enemy from blinding them and we pray that God give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, Ephesians 1:17. And we pray for them and we love them and we decide that we are going to love them and pray for them. And when that happens, good things happen. God moves and people come to know Jesus. Now, bow your heads with me, please. Father, I thank you. Thank you that you are at work in our midst. That, Father, you're inspiring us to the desire of the things that you desire. And, Father, your heart's desire, more than anything, your heart's desire is that all men would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, that they would come to you and receive Christ and receive forgiveness. Jesus said, come to me, all you that, are, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Today, if you're here and you say, easy yoke, burden light, sounds good to me. My burden's heavy and my yoke is awful. Well, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden, which means you're, you're under the weight of the things in your life. He says, come to me, and I'll give you rest. I'll forgive your sins. I'll give you a brand new heart. Give your name, write your name in the Lamb's book of life and walk with you, and you'll have a friend that's here by you. No matter what happens, you'll always have a friend, and that's Jesus. If there's anyone here that says, boy, that's me. I need Jesus right now, and I need to make him Lord of my life. If that's you, just lift your hand right now, right where you are. If you're online 
and you say, man, I need Jesus. I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. I need that easy yoke. I don't have a easy yoke. I need a, an easy, I need Jesus to take my burden. If that's you, just text the number on your screen and text yes, and we'd love to connect with you to 616-226-3922. And if you're here, just lift your hand if that's you. Say, I need Jesus. I need to make him Lord of my life. And we'll pray with you. For those of you, those of you that are here, I want you all, if you would, just stick your hand over your heart and lift your hand toward God. And we're just going to pray with those online right now. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus that he died on the cross for me. He didn't just die for everybody else. He died for me. And I confess Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me, heal my heart, and make me whole. Thank you, Father, that you love me. Order my steps in Jesus' name. Amen.